Howdy, friends, and welcome to the Old Hat Podcast. I'm James Chambliss, your host. I'm Old Hat. You're not. Lucky you. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, though, listening. I appreciate that. This is episode 17, and uh, we're trying something different here. It's brought to you by the same things, though. It's brought to you by coffee, which I opened a fresh bag of coffee this morning. And on that first day when you open the bag, you have my permission to make the coffee stronger than it really has any right to be. So if I talk a little fast today, it's because the coffee was a little extra strong this morning. So it's brought to you by coffee and it's brought to you by talking to yourself. Do you do that? I talk to myself sometimes. This morning I told myself at the top of the stairs, uh, excuse me, sir, that's how old cowboys tumble down the stairs. You need to pay attention. I don't know. You know, you have these habits that you get into where you're walking down the stairs and when you reach a certain respectable age, you get to that top step and you kind of make sure your feet are next to each other and that you're balanced and then you go down the stairs. I know when you're young, you don't do that. You know, I've got a 20-year-old that lives here and he goes down the stairs in about four steps. <laughs> it's your standard 18 steps in a in a one-story staircase, and he goes down them in about four steps, usually like he's riding the handrail. When you reach my advanced years, you don't do that anymore. You get lined up, and then you go down the stairs. Well, I didn't line up, and I took one long step, and then instead of stopping on that top step, I stepped down, and I just nearly took a tumble. This podcast was nearly brought to you uh, by the hospital instead, <laughs> instead of coffee. So uh, so sometimes you have to talk to yourself and tell yourself to uh, pay attention. And then, of course, the coffee was good today, so I told myself, good job. That was a great coffee pot. Well done. You did it. My mom was here this last week, and she told me she talks to herself sometimes, but only because she needs an expert opinion from time to time. <laughs> so my mom thinks a lot of her opinion, and we all do, Mom. We really do. And, yes, she's listening, so y'all straighten up. But we're not crazy for talking to ourselves. They say you're only crazy if you answer yourself. So now you know. Well, if you answer yourself, now you know. So either way, you know, now you know. Podcasting can be kind of like talking to yourself. Uh, you sit in a room with the doors closed and you've got, in my case, uh, a hat set up on top of this little thing to kind of block the sound from bouncing around, trying to get you the best quality that I can. Usually just me in a room telling you stories, and I'm, I'm usually thinking about you, but you're not actually here, so really I'm just kind of talking to myself, which maybe I'm crazy, because sometimes in this podcast I answer myself as well, so now you know, uh, but I'm not by myself today. I've had a lot of people tell me, you know what you need to do? You need to bring somebody in that you can at least tell the stories to, or maybe bring somebody in to be a co-host, or bring somebody in to interview. There have been a lot of different suggestions, and uh, one of them was from the person whose opinion means the most to me, my bride, who kept saying, look, your stories are funnier when you've got an audience to laugh at them. I'm like, okay, well, that, that's true. Why don't y'all just come in here? But then I couldn't broadcast in my pajamas, right? I'm going to have to actually get dressed because I wear my pajamas all the time. And now you know too much about me, don't you? Sorry. Um, pass the brain bleach. Uh, anyway, moving along, I'm not by myself today. I am not in my pajamas. Well, I am, but I'm wearing jeans and boots as well, but moving on. <laughs> but today I've called for help. And so I decided everybody's right. We need to liven things up around here a little bit. And so I was wise enough to call for help. And I called in my son, Joshua, who is, uh, 
live with us on the podcast today. Say hello, Joshua. Hello, Joshua. <laughs> well done. Uh, he's often, he's the engineer on this. So all of the editing and you have no idea how much of what I say has to be edited out because y'all, I will chase a rabbit from time to time and then go, you know, that really doesn't have anything to do with the story I was telling. Could you maybe take that out and make me sound less idiotic? And he's pretty good at that. And so, uh, he's used to listening to all these and now he's going to be in them. And he had told me the other day he was, I guess it was on the one where I couldn't remember the word. What was it? I, for animation. Animation. Yeah, I could remember cartoon, but not animation. And in the recording, I went cartoon movie, but what's it called? What is that word? And he was sitting there editing it later going, it's animation. And he, he talked about fixing it for me. How are you going to do that? <laughs> uh, well, I didn't come up with a good solution, so I didn't. Just let you sound... Uh, well, Idiotic. Yeah, yeah. moving on. <laughs> well, I'm surprised you didn't record yourself going, it's uh, it's animation. And then just splice that in there. That could be a lot of fun. <laughs> well, from now on, I'll do that. <laughs> okay, now I have to listen to them after they're edited. That's fantastic. Little Easter eggs, just for you. <laughs> now I have to listen to the podcast again. Great. Well, but I do know when to call for help. Um, well, I know now. I didn't used to know, uh, but I know now. Uh, years ago when I was a young married cowboy, my wife had surgery and, uh, and it was abdominal surgery, the kind where you don't get out of bed for a couple of weeks and you hold a pillow over your stomach in case you ever have to cough, which would be terrible. And so she couldn't do much. And, you know, I was, I was doing everything and I was not uh, really, um, qualified to do everything. <laughs> And we, a lot of things got messed up during that two week period that she was down. And one of them was we all ate my cooking and, you know, you really can't get well eating my cooking. And, uh, we went to church about an hour away from where we lived because there just wasn't anything that far out in the country. There was one other little church that we had visited and, um, the only people there our age didn't speak English. It was a farmer from it was a Bohemian farmer and his 14 children and his poor wife. And they were the only people our age. And we had one kid and didn't speak Bohemian. And that was here in Texas. Yeah. Well, that, you don't see that every day. No, you don't. We lived in Golden, Texas, which is uh, perhaps the geographical center of nowhere. I mean, there's, we didn't even live in Golden. We lived outside the city limits of Golden, Texas. <laughs> I, I talked to somebody not long ago who lives in Mineola and uh, her kid just graduated from there. And she didn't even know where Golden was from. Yeah, it's I'm like, she. We got to talking about it one day, and she's like, "I, I don't, I don't. I guess I've never been out that way. I don't know." <laughs> it's easy to visit. It's one of those places that you blink, you miss it. And you know, the last time I was in Minneola, you could still make a phone call from the payphone at the one little bitty convenience store in town for a dime. You could call <laughs> anybody else in Golden, the seven six eight exchange, for a dime from an actual payphone. So. It's kind of caught in a time warp, some of it is, and I know a couple of people listening to this that remember Golden, and a couple of them, we were there together. There's a little red-headed girl that used to wave at me and my big dogs as we drove down the road that lived in Golden, and she's listening to the podcast now, I bet. So, Chris, if you're listening, I'm waving, sitting here in my office. <laughs> you would have loved the coffee today, I promise. Anyway, back to my story. My wife had had surgery, and uh, and... And somehow the women at church found out. We went to a Presbyterian church in Tyler, Texas, about an hour from home. And they found out. And they're like, well, who's taking care of her? And I went, well, I am. And they went, right, but but no, really, who's taking care of her? And I'm like, well, I am. And they said, well, who's cooking? And I said, well, I'm cooking. They said, well, who's cleaning? I went, well, I am. 
Well, apparently that was just not going to work. And so they, they loaded up and drove the hour out to our house and brought food and cleaned our house. And apparently I didn't know how to clean a house based on what they found when they got there. And uh, it was very nice when they left. No question about it. The house was. And there was plenty of food because I was tired of my cooking, too, by that point. Um, but, uh, y'all, I've never I had never had that much of a talking down to. I don't guess I I was a rowdy child and I got in a lot of trouble, but I don't think I ever got talked to by a bunch of church women like that. <laughs> and it was pointed out to me that it is your Christian duty to ask for help, just like it is your Christian duty to help others, because you just can't do this on your own. And you, your wife deserves better than you're giving her. I was educated. So now I know when to call for help. That was one of those, uh, one of those things that you just don't forget. <laughs> and well, I I'd say that you learned your lesson, um, but the twins might not, because yeah. you made them eat that uh, firehouse chili they were not impressed with. Yeah, that was a bad year, wasn't it? <laughs> what they call it? The dragon's breath? Yes. Yeah. I, Lisa was down one year, and uh, most of a year, and and I did all the cooking and cleaning, and, and it, you know, what got done anyway, I'm not saying I did it right, and we had we did have some help, but you know, when it goes on long enough, I've noticed most churches, you're good for about two weeks. You know, we now get better. Yeah. <laughs> it's same the with, casseroles, even in the freezer, get a little old after yeah, that. That's right. That's right. Oh, one of the most practical things that happened early in that deal was when Daryl showed up with white bread and bologna. <laughs> I was like, dude, I know what to do with this. Yep. <laughs> this is within my skill set. But but I did learn to cook a lot of different things, and, and Lisa would find uh, uh, recipes that she thought were simple enough for me. And one of them was firehouse chili. Piece of cake. We all like it. It's great. I made firehouse chili and <laughs> the twins were at the table. I don't remember how they were, 10 maybe. And they, yep. they sat at the table going, oh, oh, this is so hot. And one of them said, is this what dragons eat so they can blow fire? Because this is really <laughs> hot. So, and I, I've made it before. I've made it again. I, I still don't know how I made it so hot that evening, but it made for a good story. But <laughs> what was funny about, about that is, you know, I understand – now, if you're planning menus, you ask other people in the house because you kind of want to know what they're willing to eat that you're willing to cook. And it got to where I'd ask the boys, you know, is there anything y'all would like to eat this week? And they would all give me a one word answer out. <laughs> <laughs> we want to eat out. Can we go get Sonic? Can we go get Subway? Can we just do we have to eat your cooking? <laughs> I got really good at a few things, but and y'all, I'm a, I, the, all the boys like my cooking when we go camping. But that's probably because there's just no options. <laughs> it's better than starving, that's for sure. That's <laughs> or right. catching your own, and I'm not really too uh, skilled at that. Yeah, no, that's not really your skill set. Or mm -hmm. you do like uh, do like your little brother did and eat uh, nine candy bars and get sick. That's <laughs> one way to, I guess, cheat the system. But well, I prefer to freeze instead of get sick. But that's just me. <laughs> okay, that that trip was from freezing. That's a good story for another day. <laughs> Y'all, if you go camping when it's below freezing, you're not going to have as much fun as when it's not freezing. I can, I can vouch for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so in the battle of the Presbyterian women versus the young cowboy, uh, they won. Let me just be real clear about that. There was no dispute. It was a KO right there in my living room. So I learned to ask for help and not everybody knows that. And uh, sometimes you're surprised at the people that will ask for help and maybe surprised at the people who don't. There were, um, there was a hurricane here in Texas in I think 08. Mm, yeah. 
uh, Hurricane Ike came through and just devastated uh, the Bolivar Peninsula and the little town of High Island and Crystal Beach. And there's a few other places along that stretch that had a lot of flooding and a lot of wind damage and all kinds of problems. And there was a group down there uh, that was working to rebuild after Ike, and it was called uh, Nehemiah's Vision. That was the name of it, the story in the Bible about Nehemiah. And he was rebuilding Jerusalem, so that's kind of where that came from. And uh, met a wonderful woman down there named Brenda, uh, who actually wrote a book about Ike and what happened afterwards there on, on uh, the peninsula. And uh, she may be listening. I don't know. I hope she is. Just a wonderful lady, and uh, she was there coordinating for Nehemiah's vision with the people that were coming in to help. They sent out the word to different churches and different church groups and saying, look, we really need help down here. We will supply the materials, but somebody has to come actually swing the hammers. And so you kind of expect a group like that to ask for help. Uh, But the guy that we ended up going down there to help, an old man named Junior, and uh, he didn't leave during the hurricane, and he didn't leave after the hurricane, and I guarantee you, Junior's still there today. <laughs> yep. Alive or dead, Junior didn't leave. <laughs> yep. He, uh, he pointed out to us when we got there that he had been born there and had been through a lot of hurricanes there, but this one just did so much damage, and he's gotten so old, he just couldn't do it himself. And so he asked Nehemiah's vision for help. And so our church group uh, got together, a mission team, and sent it down there, and we had varying levels of skills. It was yes, agree. <laughs> pretty wide ranging. Uh, it's from people who've never touched the tool to people who did it every day. Yes, and everything in between. Yep. But it turns out everybody was able to do something useful, uh, and everybody wanted to help. And and uh, there were a couple of people that were really better at listening than anything else. Susan would go and just listen to Junior's wife talk all day long, mm-hmm. and that was a great blessing to her. They were living in a FEMA trailer out behind. Well, I started to say their house, but there wasn't a house. Yeah, what was there? Yeah. And uh, and and Junior would sit on the porch and, and in front of the porch, because there wasn't a porch yet, and point to the trees over on the other side of the yard where there was pieces of a tin building, looked like. Yeah. And that had been the house he had been born in. Like an old barn that had collapsed on itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that had trees growing up mm-hmm. out of it. And, uh, and, that, and that was, you know, he'd never been off the... I don't think he'd ever left the peninsula. I don't think so. You know, I mean, I... I guess at some point he'd have to go to the doctor, right? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> he didn't act like he'd ever left. Uh-uh. And they had a couple of grandkids living with them. So they're in the FEMA trailer behind the house that we're building there. And our church group stayed in a, in a retreat center that had been above the flood line. So most of High Island flooded. I mean, just though it's called High Island on purpose because it is higher ground and some of it didn't flood, but... We had to wait for water to go down before we could even get in. Yeah. And when we got in, we stayed in a... Well, no, even on the way down, there was still water everywhere. Every Power lines were still down. It was, was Within a couple feet of the road, it was still there. Yeah. Pastures were gone. Well, there were no fences. No, nothing at you all. You know, there was no fences, and it was all salt water. Yeah. So, you know... Everything was dead. Yeah. It was, it was just horrible to drive into. It was like driving into some other world. Yeah, post-apocalyptic yeah. kind of thing, like a bad movie. But it was real life, and that's what these people had lived through. And and you hear them talk about it in the actual hurricane. I mean, and what they, you know, what they went through. And you remember that um, the paramedic that we met and his wife. Um, that and he and I talked for quite a while because, you know, you'll do that from time to time. <laughs> yeah, and he and I share some background. And but he had, you know, I, like.
over a hundred people died from Ike and he was there, you know, he was in recovery mode, right? They, they did a lot of treating early on, you know, people that were hurt in the storm itself, but man, it's just, you know, he was on the team that was recovering all the bodies and he was just really shook yeah. by that. Well, I don't and, know how you couldn't be. No. And so he and I spent a lot of time sitting and talking about, you know, just, just trying to, you have to find something to do with things like that in your head, yeah. you know? And so he and I spent a lot of time together just talking about how to build a filing system. You can lock some of that stuff away in. And we kept up with each other for a couple of years after that. He did well, but, um, but he was one of those people that, that needed some help too. But what he needed was just somebody to listen to him more than he needed anything else. But we stayed in that retreat center and it, uh, it had two wings with bunks in it and then a big kind of fellowship hall area. Yep. And the women got both of the wings <laughs> and the men slept in the fellowship hall in like a great big open area. Yeah. <laughs> Bring your own cots and, uh, and had a little bit of a feel of a military barracks or something. Very much so. Well, and, and both bathrooms were in the wings <laughs> and I'm like, well, guys, what do we <laughs> do? What do the guys do when they have to go to bed? So in one of the wings that, they worked out a system where if this light's on and that door's closed, then don't go in. And if this door's open and that light's off, then it's okay. And I'm like, okay, somebody's just going to be embarrassed at three in the morning (laughs) because I can't remember that system. (laughs) And the, the men slept in the big open fellowship hall where the, the far end was the kitchen. So I guess that's probably good compensation because the women that came to cook would be in there early in the morning. And that was kind of your wake up system. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that was fun. Um, it wasn't uh, comfortable, but the air conditioning usually worked. So it's some occasionally. Yeah, it's <laughs> but you know most people down there still still didn't have electricity, so really nothing we should have complained about, I guess. But we complained anyway. That's yeah. what you did. <laughs> but there were all kinds of people that went on this trip, and uh, somehow I ended up in charge of the teenagers digging the ditch, and I'm not sure how that happened. And they all turned out to be a lot more helpful than anybody expected them to. Now, where we were digging a ditch from the house out to the road. You could call it that. I guess. I mean, it wasn't paved, but. (laughs) The packed dirt. (laughs) Yeah. And, it you know, there's a lot of shells, like seashells, you know, like thousands of years Uh of seashells. So this is, yeah, this is not sand that we're digging in. This is thousands of years of layers of seashells that we're digging through. And, um. and I guess it was because I tormented the teenagers so much they put me in charge of it. Because I, I don't know how many times I would send a boy out to the truck to look for the board stretcher. Uh, <laughs> we cut that one a little short. Hey, listen, go out to my truck and bring me the board stretcher. Did it to every kid there, and they'd go out and look through my truck, and they couldn't find the board stretcher. <laughs> Y'all, there's not one, in case you didn't know that. There's no such thing. You can't stretch them. That's why you measure twice and cut once. Or measured once and cussed twice. (laughs) (laughs) Both systems eventually work. (laughs) I did use them both pretty liberally. But anyway, since I was in charge of uh, tormenting the teenagers, they they told us to dig a ditch from the house to the road. And and we hope you get it done before we leave this weekend. That way. It was a pretty long way. It was a very long way. It was not just a casual walk to the house. No. Probably 40 yards or so. Yeah. And it had to be deep enough 
I don't remember how it's foot and a half deep or something. Of course, you know, we're not consistent diggers. Some of it was four foot deep. I think. You, know? <laughs> yeah. you forget to the move soft down. Spot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I seem to remember it took a long time to dig under the shady part of that tree. Yeah, I always probably. dig slower in the shade, but, but we actually got it done that day. I mean, we had it all the way out mm-hmm. to the road by that day and we're, you know, and I'm like, all right, what else do y'all want us to dig? And all the teenage boys were like, shut up, dude. Shut up, dude. We don't want to dig anything else. We're on vacation now. Yeah, and they earned it. There's no question about that. And and every group that goes on something like that has, you know, types of people. We we had the teenagers, and we had the guy that, you know, teased all the teenagers. That was my job. Uh, they all worked hard. Everybody that went worked hard. There's the guy that uh, there seems to be on every trip I've ever been on, there's the guy that really knows what he's doing. But he manages to not drink enough water and spend too much time in the heat and pass out on day two and have to take the rest of the week off because (laughs) we don't want him to have a heat stroke. We took that guy with us. Uh, Okay, so there's always somebody that warns you about everything, right? I mean, whatever, it could be anything. In this particular situation, we had to leave a hole in the floor uh, for plumbing. Yeah, for the plumbing. Yeah, so mostly the bathroom. Yeah didn't have any floor at all because the plumber was sitting on the ground underneath <laughs> yeah. the house. and But then coming into the living room, I guess, there was still another spot mm-hmm. that had a hole in it, just a strip. And, and, uh, and Is he, that where the kitchen was or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. But Julian kept warning everybody, don't step in this hole, don't step in this <laughs> hole, don't step in this hole. And then eventually uh, Julian just walked straight into that hole like he didn't know it was there. <laughs> And I was on one side, I guess Donnie was on the other. We just grabbed an arm and, and just helped him to the ground because there wasn't any, <laughs> we're not going to catch you, but we're going to keep you from hurting yourself on the edge of this hole. And, and, and he stood there and caught his breath and looked around, looked up around at all of us. And he said, well, I've been telling y'all about this. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. We we're listening now, buddy. Now that we've seen it at work. And then of course the plumber was the only one with us. I think who actually knew what he was doing. You know, I mean, he really, he, uh, and he, anytime he gave advice about anything, it was always real slow and real, well, you know, that'll work. But I think if it was me, I might, and we always did whatever it was he might, because we really felt like he was the only one that really had a clue. (laughs) And we learned a lot, uh, both about uh, digging ditches, which I think I knew everything I needed to know about before I got down there. But uh, the preacher, whenever he would, you know, you're limited on supplies. There's not a lot of lumber. There's not a lot of plywood. There's not a lot of nails. There's not a lot of caulk. There's not a lot of anything because they're just, as they bring stuff in, they bring people in to put it up and, and they really measured it out pretty close. This is what Junior's house needs, right? So if you mess it up, you know, Junior could be a month before that hole in the floor gets finished, for instance. And so you really tried to not mess anything up. And uh, the preacher would always, uh, we'd measure plywood for instance for the floor and we'd measure it all out or we'd measure out uh, sheetrock for the walls or the ceilings and and we'd put all the lines everywhere and he'd get the saw out and right before he turned the saw on he'd bow his head and say remember lord we are but laymen <laughs> amen and then he'd go to saw and he says really really want this to be right and i wonder how many times since then i've said remember lord we are but laymen <laughs> we're doing the best we can and then, of course, uh, there's what you learned about uh, after dinner. We always ate oh, a lot. Sure. I mean, there was yeah. always plenty of food, and we always, you know, it was sandwiches at lunchtime, but we usually had a hot breakfast, and we always had a hot dinner. Yeah. And uh, so you were never not full if you didn't, uh, if you if you wanted to be hungry, I don't know how you'd even manage that. <laughs> I don't know. And then they'd trot out dessert. Yep. 
There was always something to eat. Snacks during the day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then when it was all over and you're just laying there going, I can't eat another bite, they'd bring out ice cream. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's when I learned that you're never too full for ice cream. That's right. I believe the line was, it melts. So it goes around. Yeah. It's, it, it's something it, like that. Yeah. It doesn't take any, it take, it doesn't take up any space. Yeah. Because it just melts and fills in all the cracks. It's actually good for you. They were pushing that pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, when I turn out diabetic, I know who I'm going to blame. <laughs> Exactly. Because <laughs> here I am over 10 years later, and I'm still holding on to that truth. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm still eating ice cream because we made ice cream on uh, Wednesday. <laughs> You're still eating that I'm one? still eating that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably would too. Homemade ice cream. The, the, the key to making homemade ice cream last longer is to eat it when nobody's around to ask, can they have some? <laughs> it's working for me. I'm stretching it way out. So, All right. Well, uh, so there are, you know... There are two kinds of people, the people that ask for help and the people that don't and uh, the people that will help and the people that won't help. And you need to be the kind of people that will help and you need to be the kind of people that will ask for help and let somebody else help you. You're required to do both, really. They both are important things to do. You can't do all this up by yourself sometimes and you need help and you should ask for it. That's what I'm doing here with the podcast. Somebody said, hey, man, you really need somebody else uh, to to chase the rabbits with you or to tell you to quit telling this. So Earlier, Joshua was sitting across the desk when I got caught chasing a rabbit and he was moving his hand in a wave motion like, move on, dude, move on, <laughs> which is something I know he learned from Beverly. Beverly, if you're listening, thank you. We still rely on that <laughs> hand motion all these years later. But uh, be the kind of people who help people and be the kind of people who ask people for help. And you will find that the best really is yet to come. This is Old Hat and Joshua signing off. Next up, Picklehead (laughs) 1.